This is Do We Like Movies. It's a podcast where two guys review individual movies, sequels, and occasional television shows. In this show, we talk about our experiences with them, and we answer the question, do we like this movie? Welcome to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your evil dead host, Javi. And I guess you kind of gave it away, but uh, this week we're talking the evil dead. As opposed to them, you know, looking for the podcast and then seeing evil dead on the title. I know, that's true. And it comes out like a whole week later than we promised it, but whatever. Yeah, again, sorry about that. Every time we think we are ahead of the curve, it turns out... The curb turns into a deadite and then punches us in the cro- in the groin region. <laughs> it also doesn't help that like I got sick yesterday, and I don't even think you knew about this, but I got insanely sick yesterday, and my wife and my daughter were sick like several days ago. So mm-hmm. it's just we've been in hell for the last few days. Get away from me, you sickies! All right, it's like it's like you guys were living through the production that was the Evil Dead. <laughs> All right, so you know what? I think this is probably only my second or third time ever watching this original Evil Dead movie. Like, ever? Yeah, this is one of those movies that, like, I know about. I've seen, like, all sorts of the uh, production, like, stuff on it, but I'd never, like, I hadn't seen the movie in years. It's wild to me. I thought this would have been one of those movies that... I didn't think you were like a huge fan of Sam Raimi and the Evil Dead, but I think with how much you like Spider-Man 1 and 2, you would have at least watched this, I don't know, maybe like four or five times. So, let's see. My experience with this movie. I can't even tell you when was the first time I tried to watch it. I think I made it halfway through when I was like 12. Way too (laughs) young to watch this movie, period. (laughs) But I watched it because my friend, like my childhood friend, loved horror movies. And he loved zombie movies, to be exact. And he was telling me, like, he started me with Army of Darkness. And I was like, oh, cool. I loved Army of Darkness. I loved, you know, I loved the character Ash. I loved, like, the 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 slapstick comedy in that movie. I was like, oh, this is great. Um, and then my, my buddy was like, oh, let, you know, if you want, we can watch the original um, he goes, it's nothing like Army of Darkness. I was like, really? So I finally put it in. I make it about halfway through. By the time I think it's his girlfriend share, I'm really bad with names in this movie. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I think it's by the time his girlfriend, I think her name Cheryl, like starts doing the "You're all gonna die." I was like, nope, I'm done. Fuck this. <laughs> I was like, fuck this movie. And then I rewatched it again at like 14. And that time I made it through. And yeah, I've watched it. I think ever since I've watched it a couple more times. And I'm like, oh my God, this movie's so, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> like, this movie is such a, like, it's such a schlock fest. It's such an early, like, 80s schlock fest i just can't get over like every anytime i watch this movie i'm just like how how are you guys able to make this not even in a like 
it's so bad it's good way just like on a fundamental like logistics way i'm just like how this is an interesting uh series because i feel like every movie in this franchise uh is a different like genre almost like the first one is basically a straight-up horror film the second one is more of a horror comedy and the third one is more of like an action adventure movie like <laughs> action adventure comedy like there, yeah. i think there's still a lot of that's like slapstick like raimi comedy but like you know this one's like a possession horror movie um the uh, i mean both of them technically evil dead one and two are very possession heavy horror movies yeah. but i think that one like deals more like evil dead 2 deals more with the actual demon and like if i remember correctly in the book of the De- or the the necronomicon um which by evil dead th- like by army of darkness the necronomicon is like its own character at that point right um, and this is also kind of like those quintessential cabin in the woods movies, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. the stuff out of that out of that film that it's poking fun at is a lot of the stuff that's been introduced in this and other like '80s movies as well. Even the uh, the cabin they go to in Cabin in the Woods is the you know is made to look like the cabin that Ash and company show up in in this movie. So it's. It, this movie for me it's the little movie that could because evil dead had a lot of stuff working against it where there was just um like if i remember correctly a lot of the like a lot of the actors were pretty much just personal friends of sam raimi it was like people that it, it was either his family or it was like people he grew up with like it's super low budget no one wanted to touch this movie originally like they filmed in the middle of the winter in like the mountains of Tennessee, which is apparently a terrible idea, where a lot of the cast and crew ended up getting sick. <laughs> like they filmed, you know, they like Sam Raimi put a lot of his own personal stuff. If I remember correctly, the cabin is like a family cabin, his Oldsmobile, which is in every Sam Raimi movie ever. Like some people will remember it as uh, Uncle Ben's Oldsmobile from Spider-Man One. <laughs> <laughs> it comes back in Army of Darkness as Ash's death coaster. Like it, it's he's literally using his personal stuff like to get this movie made. Like ever like like I said, it's it's crazy that this movie even got made, but it draws on so much like. Lovecraftian horror it draws on a lot of like horror themes that were already kind of established right mm-hmm. um and it's able to give us an original movie uh, an original take on a possession story especially after you know the the godfather of all possession stories uh the exorcist came out what maybe four years before this movie came out uh what year did this movie come out 81 i think no exorcist 73 so okay it is old but it's still you know i mean is that movie left such a mark on cinema that i think it's it's obviously people are going to be referencing it 10 plus years later also gave us the greatness that is bruce campbell one of the greatest (laughs) you know the best way i could describe this is if the demons in the exorcist was like just straight horror pornography this was like gonzo porn like it was just like the absolute most like 
hardcore, disgusting thing that we could possibly make. Like it, 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 it feels like the creators of a show like Courage the Cowardly Dog, like mm-hmm. looked at creatures in this <laughs> as an influence. Like it just, it was just like let's just find the most grotesque, like looking demon thing we could find, and it, and it, it does. I think some of the comedy in this is it does feel like it's exorcist turned up to like 15 in some segments. Oh, a hundred percent. Because while the most disgusting thing in exorcist that happens, you know, as far as bodily functions go is probably when, you know, the, the, the P the P soup vomit, right. This happens in the first like 40 minutes. Of the movie, if it was the equivalent. Mm-hmm. And it just never really like gets off the brakes. Like, yeah, in in this movie, and it, and that's the crazy part is that all that stuff is played mm. up for the horror of it, but n- it's so campy and over the top, you just can't really be afraid of it. But I think with that, I mean, you got any, anything else you want to talk about your experience? No. All right. Well, then let's jump into it. So the movie opens with. Uh, our, I guess, group, our group of college students uh, with uh, Ash Williams, his girlfriend, Linda, his sister, Cheryl, their friend, Scott, and his girlfriend, Shelly, are going on a vacation into an isolated cabin into the Tennessee woods. Um, As they... Uh, start approaching the cabin uh, you know we get like these long establishing shots showing us like beautiful scenery out in the trees out in the woods um however as someone that has spent much time on appalachian tiktok all i can think about is oh that is going to end terribly for everybody <laughs> <laughs> and essentially like they they do meet kind of a heart like harbinger character if i remember correctly there's like this weird there's this little weird part where there's like some hitchhikers on the side of the road and as ash drives by them they start like yelling and at them um but the kids kind of ignore and keep on going until they finally get to the actual cabin um and right off the bat they notice uh some weird things kind of like uh some things that move on their own um however the person that does seem to kind of experience the most of the uh, supernatural stuff that's going on around the cabin uh, appears to be ash's sister cheryl um as she kind of draws a picture uh while she's drawing a picture she starts kind of hearing very faint demonic voices telling her to join them yeah so i think i think my understanding is that the kind of like low angle like moving roving camera in the woods uh, my understanding was that sam raimi accomplished it by literally putting a camera on a skateboard mm-hmm. and uh it's it, it, the combination of like that crazy moving camera along with like these demonic whispers <laughs> like i i think it's a good it's it 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 also harkens back to poltergeist for me mm-hmm. uh because like you know obviously one of the most frightening scenes in poltergeist like includes a tree and stuff like that mm-hmm. i think this movie was just it was right in the right spot i think this is a year before poltergeist or the year poltergeist comes out so it just mm-hmm. felt like yeah it's definitely playing on a fear that 
of trees. <laughs> of just being out in like remote areas and nature and how nature can not necessarily be, you know, safety for some people. And it was interesting you mentioned that because I, I remember reading that whenever you get that crazy like really fast angle where the cameras like rushes up on people that's actually sam raimi himself running like full sprint with a camera on his shoulder chasing his cast then i always thought that was really interesting to have just goofy ass sam raimi running after people in the woods um but yeah after that uh you know cheryl is kind of disturbed by the interaction um especially after she starts kind of losing control of her own hands uh, as they start kind of drawing demonic pictures in her notebook. Uh, However, she doesn't tell any of the group and just kind of pretends it doesn't happen. Um, And while the group is hanging out later that night um, and they're having their dinner and they're just kind of like cheersing, having fun together, the entire time Ash being a total fucking nerd (laughs) i forgot what he says exactly but i do remember texting you right after it It, he like quotes like a book or like some poem and i'm like oh i forgot how much of a nerd ash is in this movie no kidding it's it's such a bizarre comparison to draw but evil the evil dead ash kind of makes me think of something like alien 79 ripley like Mm -hmm. meaning it's like these characters are more famous and more known in pop culture for what they do in the sequel movies and then you forget that in like the original movies they are kind of like side characters or Mm -hmm. like you know it's like they might be like positioned as the lead like towards the end like because i think both ash and and ripley are final girls at the end of it Mm-hmm. Um, I do, it, it's weird how they're like not focused on before they're like famous and and it's just like this is pre like the character that that they're known for in this so I got so much alien just watching Ash in this movie I know like it's pretty wild how how tame he is in this movie compared to like if you watch Ash versus the evil dead where he had one, he has a robot hand that he can replace out to use his chainsaw hand whenever he needs to. And he just like, you know, he's just always like getting drunk, banging whores, doing coke. <laughs> he's essentially Mickey Rourke from The Wrestler, but a lot less depressing. But then, oh, that show's great. Check it out. It's on Netflix if y'all want to watch it. Uh, unfortunately, it's already canceled. God damn you. I think it was Cinemax or one of those crappy not HBO channels. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember. Like, yeah, it, people talked about how it actually was a pretty good show. And oh. you know what? I, I probably would defer to you on just anything Evil Dead because even though I've seen these movies before, I can't say that I've watched them enough to be like considered a fan of them. Like, I'm oh. a fan of Raimi more so for the stuff he does in Spider Man later and. You know, you know, he got his start in horror because that scene in Spider-Man 2, like (laughs) where where Otto Octavius is like robot arms, like assassinate an entire like room full of doctors, like is something only a horror director could conceive of. We've reviewed Spider-Man 2, right? Yes, we have. Oh, yeah. Okay. Then in that case, I'm for sure gushed over how much I love that scene. (laughs) 
<laughs> but yeah, yeah it's one of those I things think you have like the evil dead series i loved it it's one of the it's one of those i think it's one of those movies that just got me at the right time it has the right blend of actual horror and slapstick horror like i don't know i just i love the lore i love the backstory i love the character like yeah i guess i guess i'm the, I'm the local evil dead expert of the two <laughs> um but yeah so af- so after uh while they're at dinner the uh cellar door kind of flies open by itself and uh ash and scott go down to investigate so when they go in they end up finding the book of the dead um which is an ancient egyptian slash sumerian uh book that was made with using the flesh of victims and written in demon's blood and supposedly has um magic spells and incantations that people can use to overcome death and control death uh that's the whole point of the necronomicon so a lot of people remember the well a lot of lovecraft horror nerds would remember the necronomicon from i don't even remember which one (laughs) in some lovecraft story but the necronomicon ex mortis is really big in lovecraftian horror um which then you know is a big uh influence for evil dead as well um and i mean yeah you see it later on when there's other movies that come out based on lovecraft horror like the reanimator for example um and while the group kind of plays around with the book not really knowing how to read ancient sumerian um scott being a total dickbag ends up uh finding a tape um a tape recorder of an old archaeologist by the name of Raymond Noby, who recorded himself like with his thoughts on the book and also recorded himself uh, reciting one of the incantations, not knowing what it is or what it does. So Scott plays it, uh, which ends up causing Cheryl to kind of have a panic attack where she screams at Scott to turn off the recorder. And just as that happens, this tree branch comes crashing through the window, breaking it. Um, you know, and it terrifies everyone, really breaks attention. Cheryl used that as an excuse to kind of escape and leave from, uh, you know, leave from uh, the rest of the group where she goes outside. And this leads to what is our, probably the most infamous scene from this movie, uh, which is the tree rape scene. Um, when she goes out into the woods, she ends. Uh, Cheryl ends up getting attacked by uh, demonic trees, which end up restraining her um, and then assaulting her. She manages to escape um, and break out, uh, running back to the running back to the cabin where she get where she gets um, you know comforted by Ash and. Uh, Ash and Linda, who then take care of her, take her upstairs and let her get some rest after she gets after she gets uh, cleaned up. Mm-hmm. Um, during that, I mean, yeah, like a lot during a lot of these uh, scenes, we get a lot of like those classic Raimi random zoom ins and quick camera cut and whooshes. Um, I know a lot of people feel very like this is very polarizing. Not many, you know, a lot of people feel it's gratuitous. Um, all, all I know is that in the in the remake, it's a lot worse. <laughs> I think it's a little bit more prolonged. So, um, 
Did you ever watch the remake of uh, the, I think it's from like 2014 or 2013. I have not watched it. It is, I would love to see it because I've heard really good things about it. I've just never seen it. Yeah, it's actually not bad. Like, I, mean, I actually enjoyed it. Like, obviously, like, the originals are going to have a, a, a soft spot in my heart. But that one was actually a very well done remake. Especially what? for not having a Ash like character, uh, I think. They yeah. Did how how did they good. how did they do that? Like it's, I can't think of something like that. It's almost like having someone remake Halloween like without Laurie Strode in it. So the way they did it is they took the original dynamic. So it's like five. So it's still like five. Uh, five college students, right? Right. And they focused it on Cheryl um where she was a she was having a problem with chemical dependence like she had a a drug abuse issue Mm -hmm. so uh the friends take her out to the woods to kind of like get away like she just got out of rehab so they're going to take her on a vacation and so that was kind of the plan and then from there almost beat by beat it follows the rest of the movie except that the ash character uh isn't the final girl cheryl actually is and she gets a kind of like like she gets like a redemptive arc especially after being the first person to uh, become possessed um which then goes into like this crazy horror movie fight scene (laughs) that i really enjoyed (laughs) So uh, it was really interesting because even though there's no Ash, um, I think the only thing they have with Ash in that movie is like uh, a post-credit scene where it's just Bruce Campbell like lighting a cigarette or lighting a cigar in the camera and just going groovy. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they know they, they still gave us some fan service there. Um, but yeah, from there... Uh, yeah, from there, everyone just kind of like hangs out in the uh, hangs out around the house. Um, Linda and Cheryl are kind of playing cards, and while they're playing, Cheryl starts um, she starts kind of like predicting what cards are going to be played before they actually play them. She starts getting them uh, correct, and then uh, eventually, she she. So, like she turns around and she just like gets that disgusting like dead makeup they <laughs> which I don't know if I hate it or love it because mm-hmm. it's so bad I remember when I first watched it it scared the shit out of me but watching it like on on further rewatches I'm just like oh this is really bad but also goofy but also it does creep me out still <laughs> <laughs> Like, I don't know, I have so many conflicting emotions when it comes to the weird demonic makeup in this movie. Yeah, I what I appreciate about this is that once we do, like, get into full-on demon mode, like, and we end up with the, the basement demon, I it's so bizarre to, like... It, there is something a little exorcist about it, the fact that these people are going to be in a room with the demon for so long... <laughs> And, like, the demons just sitting there talking to them. Like, it totally does remind me of those scenes in Exorcist when, like, Damien Karras and, and Possessed Reagan are, like, in the bedroom, like, having full-on conversations for a while. 
<laughs> this is like the exorcist if the exorcist was a rob zombie movie you know <laughs> the exorcist if the exorcist was taking like 80s cocaine yeah because it takes <laughs> out it takes out any of the subtlety from the exorcist and just replaces it with a shit ton of blood <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so after cheryl becomes possessed uh i'm sorry i, still, I also yeah. love how instant like the possessions are like it is just like looking at someone looking through a window and then all of a sudden they turn their head around and it's like insta-demon like <laughs> no it's, it's funny because whenever they do the insta-demon they always do the the <laughs> dave chappelle charlie murphy ah yeah because <laughs> they'll be like ah <laughs> i'm like why are they so stupid and over the top yeah uh, and that's the thing. There's no really clear rules for how they get possessed, right? Like at least in um in The Exorcist, he explains that Reagan invited the spirit into the house because she was playing with the Ouija board, even though we never see it. But here, it's just the incantation has raised the evil dead. And it's not even something that they said, right? Like, I mean, what? Yeah, it was, it, it was them playing it on a tape recorder that ended up making it happen. And I guess so. This is supposed, isn't this supposed to be the cabin that belongs to one of the friends, like relatives or something like that? Like, like it's bizarre how they end up in this cabin and like they find like I think it belongs <laughs> to like Scott's uncle who happens yeah. to be the archaeologist that finds the Necronomicon. Gotcha. And so it's really bizarre. Like, they don't explain exactly what the rules are for possession. Just anyone can be possessed whenever they goddamn well please. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so after Cheryl becomes possessed, um, she, she stabs Linda with a pencil. And she ends up <laughs> tossing ash around the room like a fucking ragdoll. And so if you're expecting action hero Ash, it's not this movie because really the guy that takes center stage and who you kind of think is the hero of the film is going to be Scott. I'm not kidding. Like what, when I said alien, like I felt like there was a character, I think it was Dallas, like who, who was considered, who I thought like might've been the actual like star of alien. And then all of a sudden in the end, it ends up being Ripley for reasons unknown. That is mm-hmm. absolutely what I'm seeing here with this too, is that, is that Ash is not being set up to be the hero in this one. <laughs> mm-hmm. So after um, so after Ash gets knocked out, Scott is able to kick Cheryl down into the basement, and he's able to lock the uh, basement like door uh, using a chain that was attached. Uh, everyone starts kind of arguing about what to do with demonic Cheryl. Um this leads to Shelly going to going into the room uh, to go uh, kind of get some rest. And then suddenly she gets attacked by the demon. Once again, it's the um, it's the unseen force that uh, that is Sam Raimi essentially just running at people with this camera. <laughs> so uh, she ends up getting possessed and gets turned into a dead eye as well. Um which then leads to a fight between her and Scott where he manages to uh, just like launch her into the fireplace. (laughs) 
And while she catches on fire, she's like, oh, I had such a beautiful face. Don't you still love me? And then when she tries to like attack him, he ends up stabbing him or ends up stabbing her with uh, this dagger that they found with the other with the book, mm-hmm. which I don't remember them finding the dagger. No, and it's funny too because like I swear, like watching this movie, I recalled maybe the first or second time that I saw it that I thought they found the dagger with the book, but I don't think that's the case. I don't remember seeing it with the book, but I could have been just like, honestly, the the thing is, the Kindarian dagger becomes such a big part of the Evil Dead. It's just like, yeah, like you just kind of accept that it's there. Mm-hmm. Like, I think in the Evil Dead, like, in Ash versus the Evil Dead, he ends up using it to, like, kill this giant, like, like, 60-foot demon by shooting it, shooting it from a tank. <laughs> like, shooting it from a tank cannon. I'm just like, oh, I love this <laughs> stupid show. It's so good. Uh, but anyway, so uh, he ends up using the dagger and kills, uh, manages to kill um, Shelly. And from there, um, I think it's Scott. Yeah, Scott ends up taking the axe to, like, chop her up because that's the only reliable way to uh, kill the Deadites is just uh, complete dismemberment. Um, At this point, he kind of panics and just wants to go into town. Uh, So he leaves Ash, uh, Linda, and Cheryl, and he tries to escape. Um. But, uh, you know, he then comes back almost immediately, completely just effed up, just like bleeding and like bruised up and beaten. And he says and he starts screaming about how the trees wouldn't let him leave and that how him and uh, him and Ash are going to die out here. (laughs) Uh, But you're going to die out there. (laughs) You're all going to die out there. Um. But yeah, after that, he ends up dying after he uh, warns Ash about the trees. Uh, Ash goes and checks up on Linda um, and finds out that she become that she you know she's been possessed. And after she attacks him, he ends up like <laughs> he ends up caressing up and punches her, <laughs> and then she gets knocked out. Um, <laughs> She transforms back into into Linda. This is so weird. Like it, this little like segment where they like all of a sudden everything goes back to normal for like half a second. Like it Mm -hmm. didn't make any sense to me at all. (laughs) And then all of a sudden it just like jumps right back to everyone's possessed. Well, that that's the thing about the Deadites and that they flesh out in the rest of the Evil Dead movies, right? Mm-hmm. where you find out that the demons can transform um, like instantly and they can transform back but once they're in a body they're in the body like they are in control but they can control how they look and so this part of the movie is just literally the evil dead trying to break ash's psyche to just like torture him and I didn't really realize that until maybe the last time I watched it. I'm like, oh, they're just trying that right now. They're just like, you know, like pulling the wings off a fly sort of thing. So that's why they're doing all that. So he, um, you know, when she changes back into a demon, she starts laughing and starts singing that he's going to die. 
Cheryl starts singing along too from under the uh, from under the basement. Uh, from he ends up getting attacked by Scott. So at this point, you're thinking, "Oh, that's it. Ash is kind of dead." <laughs> so uh, Ash manages to he accidentally um, throws the uh, the Necronomicon close to the fire, which causes it to start. Um, which car which causes it to start burning uh he sees that it affects the deadites so ashlyn gouges scott's eyes out <laughs> and then he rips out a tree trunk that he got stabbed with which looks oddly like his penis <laughs> and in a very gross like torrential blood like just sploosh all over <laughs> all over ash's face and his body he's just like covered in scott's blood and then um you know cheryl ends up breaking through the barricade and knocks ash to the floor uh yeah this sorry i'm like get, i'm trying to remember because it's like it's chaotic the last couple of minutes of this movie is chaotic and essentially while he's getting attacked like one of the deadites grabs like the fireplace poker and starts trying to like beat him with it. Um, he manages to use like his necklace to pull the pull the book closer to him while he's being restrained by two of the deadites. Another one like continues to try to hit him with uh with the fireplace poker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and right when you think that they're finally gonna kill him, he grabs the book, uh, throws it into the fire, and as the um as the book burns uh the deadites freeze and it like immediately all decompose in this really gross but cool looking like stop motion like claymation which is kind of like it's what made this movie unique right it's the fact that things were done mm-hmm. with stop motion it's like it, it, it that was their main special effect Mm-hmm. The stop motion, the claim, the stop motion, and the gallons and gallons of fake blood he had to use for this movie. Yeah, which I saw that it was like caro syrup and non dairy creamer or something like that Ugh. is like is is what made that blood, and it looks super red too. Mm-hmm. It's really gross. And it's like, I was reading that Ash had to, like, ride into town on the back of a pickup truck because he couldn't, like, sit on the car seat because he would just stick and he smelled terrible. <laughs> By which I mean Bruce Campbell. Not <laughs> Yeah, I was about to say, wait a second. <laughs> Ash and Bruce Campbell, at this point, they're just interchangeable. They're the same person in my eyes. Uh, so after the deadites leave, uh, after the deadites um, are killed, these giant hands sprout from the corpses. They cover Ash in blood again, <laughs> just as kind of like a last fuck you to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, uh, Ash kind of uh, Ash gets up. And he manages to stumble outside, and he sees that he survived the night, and that the evil dead weren't strong enough to beat him. And as he begins to walk away from the cabin, we get a unseen force that once again starts running from way back in the, you know, way way in the distance in the woods. It runs straight through the cabin and it uh, frightens uh, Ash, assuming, you know, 
if you don't watch any of the sequels, you think that it ends up getting him, killing him. The movie fades to black and plays some really creepy ass, um, what's it called? Uh, public domain music. <laughs> and that's the movie. It's such a short movie. Like, honestly, it is really short. And um, it, it's, it's one of those movies that's even more interesting to think about the movies that came after. And I almost wish we would have done an episode on the entire series. Mm-hmm. But honestly, it's like, yeah, it, it's so it's so bizarre just how bare bones it is. Very much so. Like, it's one of those movies that it feels like the main draw was just how much they can do with special effects. Right. Like, that's where a lot, obviously, where a lot of the budget for this movie went. And that's not a bad thing, too. Like, I mean, those are the things that push something like Terminator 2 or Steven Spielberg and Jurassic Park. Like, Mm -hmm. to have movies that are driven by effects and and even Friday the 13th franchise at this point, like, to have things that are driven by those kinds of effects, it's, it's... it's fine it pushes a lot of creativity and it's just and it is crazy too because this franchise does like go further and further and become so much better like just in the second one alone mm-hmm. um it, it, the other thing too is it's funny that like this movie introduces the necronomicon which on top of being included in the rest of the evil dead series it even shows up in something like jason goes to hell the final friday like mm-hmm. I've seen that movie a lot of th- I've seen that movie maybe even more times than I've seen the Evil Dead movies, and I always remember the Necronomicon because it like it, it it appears in one scene in that, and I swear if I remember it correctly, like the movie kind of suggests that they bring Jason back using the Necronomicon. Have you ever seen Jason Goes to Hell the Final Friday? No, but I'm actually glad you mentioned that because. There is a series, a comic book series done by Boom Studios called um, Freddy versus Jason versus the Evil Dead. Yes. And that comic series comes from the at one time planned Freddy versus Jason versus Ash, which, yeah. which was either supposed to be the precursor to Freddy versus Jason or it was supposed to be the sequel to Freddy versus Jason, like depending on who you ask or when you read it on the internet like that series has been intertwined with freddie and jason so much like i would love to just do an entire episode on the millions of freddie versus jason movies that we could have gotten mm-hmm. because i swear if i remember it correctly at one point there was there was the thought that the that freddie versus jason could actually be like like they, they would have made a movie where it was like the devil that was that was pitting freddie and jason against each other in hell (laughs) there was one where there was one proposed ending where it's it's pinhead that stops them uh and that implying that he's also was like controlling them uh there's actually two there's actually two freddie versus jason versus uh the evil dead where one is where it's just Freddy versus Jason fighting this Tennessee town and um, Ash thinks they're both deadites so he uses the Necronomicon to like seal them away nice they end up coming back so Ash teams up with uh the dream warriors from, mm-hmm. from Freddy or from Nightmare on Elm Street 3 if I remember correctly and oh, crap what was the name what was the name of the kid that uh that Corey Haim plays in um, in uh, Friday the 13th? You mean Corey Feldman. 
the other Corey. My bad. Yeah, he played uh, Tommy Jarvis. <laughs> yeah, so Tommy Jarvis, Ash, and the Dream Warriors all were all like team up to fight. <laughs> that that actually does sound awesome because the Dream Warriors are the best. Like, are the best like Freddy foils like in that series. And that's why it's that I think Freddy gets control of the Necronomicon and starts raising deadites all over so that he can literally open hell on earth. So it's like then this super team of like badass like final kids then have to fight off a bunch of deadites. It's cool. It's campy, it's over the top, but it's Does the it only take thing place that makes in the eighties because the Dream Warriors like do get murdered instantly in Friday the thirteenth for the Dream Master. <laughs> They basically I've... alien three like the entire Dream Warriors cast. Oof, that sucks. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember. I don't know how they retcon it. I mean, it's comic books. Who gives a shit? Right. <laughs> Apparently, Star Wars nerds. That's who. Oh god, don't get me started on that. Let's get back to Evil Dead. <laughs> let's let's get back to shit that matters, which is Evil Dead. <laughs> and it's not even the movie too. It's just like us talking about like stuff around the movie because the movie was so like short and simple. Well, that's the thing, right? You're, I think you're 100% right. This is one of those movies that's just like short, simple, straight to the point. It knew the story it wanted to tell. It's an hour and 20 minutes. Like, it's not even full feature length at this point. No. And, but it's left such an impression, mostly because of what Evil Dead 2 and the Army of Darkness do. Right. But I think with that, Angel, what did you like the Evil Dead? So even though I haven't really like talked a lot about how I felt about it while watching it, honestly, I really did enjoy this movie. I enjoyed it a lot. Like I think it's really interesting to watch the beginning of a director who most recently, I think both of us have seen what he's done with Doctor Strange and Spider-Man. Like, you know, Sam Raimi is now in that world where he is like big Hollywood movies or like he is a director that comes in and finishes the job. Like, you know, like he's that guy now where for so long, I mean, before Spider-Man, it's like you, people might not remember, but he did like that bizarre, like dark man movie in the nineties. Like he was just this yep. like, weird, like director that was like doing all these like offbeat projects. And then all of a sudden it's like, he gets pushed into Spider-Man. And you're like, Oh yeah, this guy's was star. Now he's a star director now. And uh, to, to be able to go back to something like this is pretty cool. It's almost like, you know, like even someone like, uh, Gosh, who's the guy who does uh, Lord of the Rings later? Oh, uh, Peter Jackson. Jackson. Like even mm-hmm. Peter Jackson got his start like in horror. You know, yeah. it's like Sam Raimi. I put him in the same camp with like Peter Jackson and even Guillermo del Toro. Like these like really imaginative like mm-hmm. horror directors that came up in in the in the time of like you know seventies horror movie and just made these really good micro budget horror mm-hmm. films and uh i it also launched the career of bruce campbell who's in everything that sam raimi ever does <laughs> including even dr strange you know um, yeah that's true and, <clears throat> and even like the the evil dead like aesthetic that followed the third act of dr strange and multiverse of madness like it is awesome, actually, to see, like, a mainstream version of that. Like, he ba- there, there was so many, like, parts in that third act where, where you would have expected Wanda to, like, show up, like, with one of those d- scary demonic faces. <laughs> <laughs> 
they went as far as essentially doing evil as far as from Disney Army Marvel can let them. Oh, 100%. That was, they, he pushed the boundaries of PG 13 horror and multiverse of madness. And he gave me the return of Evil Ash as Benedict Cumberbatch. Because <laughs> that's all that was. Like the, the, the look of uh, zombie, zombie uh, strange was just, what's it called? It's just, um, oh, spoilers, by the way. Yeah, yikes. I'm going to have to put like a description in the, or just like in the introduction, just like let people know that we spoil some of uh, Doctor Strange. I know, but I mean, I guess we might as well do Doctor Strange right after this movie. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, you you get to see a lot of the influences in in, uh, Multiverse of Madness, like just from Army of Darkness and stuff. It's just like he and that's the thing like that's the thing about sam raimi is a horror director it's not like he does straight up horror like he he does a good job of how to manage um like kind of i don't want to say slice of life but like conversations um and it's cool to see the progression right from this movie to obviously the the rest of the evil dead series but also going into like like you said, the Dark Man movies, Spider Man, uh, Drag Me to Hell, like all these movies that he's done since, um, where they have this over the top, but somehow still grounded in reality feel to them. Mm. Like even by the time he gets the Multiverse of Madness, like obviously it's still over the top, and but it's still grounded within the world that's been created by Marvel, which I thought, like you know, he found a way to work himself in. Um. But yeah, I guess this kind of shifted over to how I feel about this movie. But yeah, I like. In case y'all didn't know, I like the Evil Dead. I like the series. Um, it's a big reason why I'm such a crazy horror fan now. Uh, no, I enjoyed it so much <clears throat> that I really do think that we should probably uh, try to review the other two Evil Dead movies uh, when possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I because I definitely want to keep going. Like especially now that I've gotten really into this, and I really do want to check out the remake as well. <clears throat> so I uh, definitely look forward to seeing more movies in this franchise and to see how we can squeeze that in because I do think that now that we're in June, at some point this month, we also should be getting into uh, Jurassic World uh, Dominion, which is going to be coming out like in a week or two. I hope you guys are ready for more problematic here. So, yeah, we'd like to thank you guys for joining us for this episode. Uh, Please continue interacting with us on social media and uh, please continue to follow the show, uh, leave reviews on the show when possible. Uh, Feel free to dig back into our archives for any of our old episodes, especially right now that our output isn't as regular as I'd like it to be. Funny enough, I've recently been going back into some of our older episodes uh, particularly right now because of the Obi-Wan series that's uh, debuted on Disney Plus and because they do go back into a lot of the Star Wars prequels stuff. Because of that, I've actually gone back into our archives and started to listen to like our episodes when we did the Star Wars prequels <laughs> on the show. And uh, it's, it's really cool and it's really interesting to go back and, and see our thoughts on those movies, uh, you know, two or three years back at this point so yeah go listen to how smart we are and how we could have saved the star wars franchise if disney knew what they were doing (laughs) just hire Um, us you cowards we could have fixed it 
and of course, you know, we're doing what we can to, to again, try to put ourselves on, on a regular schedule as possible. And we're hoping that this summer kind of opens things up and that we can uh, free ourselves up a little bit more. You know, unfortunately, my job title changed that I had in the beginning of the year. I think I thought I was going to be able to balance everything as easy, like easily as I did previously. And it's proven to be a little bit more difficult. But I do think that things are going to settle in at some point in the summer. So please just hang in there with us. And I am still fun employed until further. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, thanks. Uh, Yeah. Thanks um, for sticking with us and we will try our best to keep putting out some content for y'all. Yep. So please uh, leave us reviews on Apple podcasts. If you can, it helps raise the awareness of the show and uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Take it easy, y'all.